0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45
1: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: All right. Thank you very much for downloading Ultimate Couch Fans. I'm Christian O'Connell. My co-host, Brian Lacey, isn't with me in the studio right now. Uh, You're listening to episode five on today's show. It's an international one. Going to be crossing live to Brian, uh, who is working out in Turkey this week, or so he says. And then we cross live to Washington, D.C. One of my favourite MMA writers and talkers is Luke Thomas. He's going to be joining us uh, on today's show. So, and we've got the best ever Samstut, the real Karate Kid rant as well on the show. But right now we go to Turkey where Brian should be. Brian, can you hear my voice? Well, I'm here now, mate. I'm here and it's all good. It's all great. And the thing you know is everyone, of course, when they go to a hotel, you know you can use the landline to do stuff like this. Not Brian, apparently his room, the landline doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, the only place the landlines don't work are YMCAs. <laughs> I just hope you're in the top bunk. Okay. <laughs> no expense spared at
3: ACB, my friend. No all right, then let's spared.
2: crack on with today's show. So before we talk about USC Glasgow, and I have to eat some humble pie and uh, bellator, and then we look ahead to this weekend USC Long Island. Uh some brilliant questions we've had this week uh thank you very much to everyone who uh has been asking these great questions let's get into these first one comes on twitter from james gibson um do you think joe rogan should be commentating the mayweather mcgregor fight well they've announced haven't they whoever the fight team is now for hbo is uh mauro ranello and uh, paul maglianagi who will be coming on the show next couple of weeks both of them um uh, but I think. What do you think about this, Brian? I think it'd be really good if there was an alternative commentary from an MMA perspective with Joe Rogan.
3: That'd be amazing, absolutely. As long as it didn't turn into a uh, a stone fight companion with Eddie Bravo, I think it would it would be amazing. His uh, the way he sees a fight and the way he commentates. On fights, especially um, yeah, especially with the anger that he's got on this one, that'd be that'd be awesome just to get Joe Rogan and uh, and one another. Maybe maybe even your John Anik or something like that. Maybe get a, a UFC team to commentate alongside.
2: Well, I think because this is such a, it's more of an, it's, it's an event just as much as is a fight. So I think it's got different rules. I think it'd be great if there was an alternative commentary for us MMA fans. Um, we could flick between them, like do a round either way. You know, like a red button flick between the two, where they actually reunited Rogan with uh, with Goldberg just for this one-off fight.
3: Oh, that would be awesome. That would be absolutely awesome. Uh, it would be, be great. It would be really good if they did more towards the MMA fans. I think throughout this media tour that they just had these four weeks, these four days, uh, you've seen the MMA fans. Like When we were in London, there was a lot more MMA fans than boxing fans. Same with Toronto, same with New York, same with LA. I think they need to do a little, maybe curb a little bit more of the promotion the production towards us and something like that. That is an awesome idea. I'd, I'd definitely... I'd watch it with both on, and it'd be interesting to see. I'd uh, watch one with one and one yeah, with Yeah, because you wouldn't
2: be able to do both on, would you, idiot? I mean, you obviously clearly have been at those Turkish delights out there. <laughs> I'd watch it with... I'd have one headphone or one commentary team, another headphone, the other one, and then I'd be watching it. <laughs> but, no, I think having the choice, you know, I think having the choice because... Paul uh, Maglinaji and uh, Moro are brilliant. They are the best uh, fight commentators and analysts in the game. I just think it would be nice to have some choice for the MMA fans with a flick. Like you say, Joe Rogan and Goldberg would give a completely different commentary, and I'd really like to hear that, what they were seeing, especially because I know it's a boxing fight, but I'd still like, Rogan knows combat, you know, and so does Goldberg. I still think I'd love to hear that. Yeah,
3: definitely. And I just think, do a bit more for these MMA fans because, because they, they've made those press conferences. So uh, I think if they recognise that, do something like this, that would be an awesome, awesome thing to do.
2: Uh, this comes from Shay Marmon, who emailed us, uh, oc at ultimatecouchfans.com. Great third podcast, boys. Apart from uh, you saying that Tyson was the best ever heavyweight, I'll leave that for another day. I feel really bad, actually. I feel like I rushed into that. I completely missed Joe Louis or Muhammad Ali or Jack Johnson. But he's, he's happy to leave it for another day. His questions related to the big fight. <laughs> His questions actually related to the big fight. Do you think the Buffer Brothers will be announcing the fight? Could they do a fighter each, a bit like Michael Buffer and Jimmy Lennon did for the uh, Lennox Lewis Tyson fight? That's a really good idea. Do you imagine having both the Buffer right. Brothers?
3: getting double buffered on one night, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That would be uh, uh, something for the, the memory books. They did actually talk about this on a, a little Twitter campaign when this fight was first signed, saying get Bruce Buffer to introduce uh, uh, Conor McGregor and his brother to introduce Floyd Mayweather and just make that moment. Yet again, a little nod towards MMA and, uh, and boxing, but the the buffers, the both the buffers... Wouldn't that the be great? Voices, and it was, I reckon that... I reckon there'll be a bit of competition there because I, I actually do think, I think let, Let's Get Ready to Rumble is obviously iconic. It's obviously special. But I think Bruce Buffer has, uh, has, has pushed past his brother with, uh, with, with what he does with the UFC. I actually rate him more as a, a ring announcer than, I do. Uh, than, than Michael. Do you
2: know what, Do you know why? Because of the Buffer 180 you know where he's using his cards oh. and he's pointing at one fight and he, he does it's called the buffer 180 and he flips through to the other the other uh, corner it's we need the buffer 180 but do you know do you know the story about Bruce and, and Michael not even being aware that they were half brothers until they were in their 30s and 40s
3: i i heard something but this again, i only heard it recently but i don't know the full story apparently they uh, they only figured out that yeah they they came together when they, when they were younger but now the journey they've been uh, michael is managed by bruce yeah. so uh, it's, uh, genuinely, have a look on thing.
2: Google, the story, right, of how um, they they weren't even aware of each other being half-brothers until, uh, I think it was Bruce was in his 30s and Michael in his 40s, and Michael Buffer, who obviously is very, very famous boxing commentator, just kept thinking, you don't see the name Buffer very often, and it's a guy who <laughs> does my job.
3: <laughs> it's, it's, it,
2: but I, I, I do you know
3: what I think what it's
2: so a, I know. It's, it's an amazing story. Okay, some other questions. Um still on the the, the big question. that's what everyone wants to talk about is Mayweather and McGregor. I think also off the back of the press conference it's, it's back in our minds now. Uh do you think Floyd versus Conor should be classed as a proper fight or an exhibition? Um and it not count no, I think Dana got asked this in a press conference last week, didn't he? And so, uh, sort of Floyd as well, he's saying, no, it's a legit fight. I think that's only fair, don't you?
3: It's totally a fight, absolutely. It's, uh, it, is, it is combat, hand-to-hand combat, and they're going in there, going to knock, try and knock each other's heads off. It's not like it, it, won't be like an exhibition fight. If you've seen other exhibition ones, there's, um, there's a little bit of give, a bit of fun, all that sort of thing. But this is this is genuine, and, and anyone underestimating Conor as a martial artist or as, uh, as a striker will be rudely awakened, I think, um uh when they if they go back and watch some of his fights before that. This is this is this is a dangerous fight for Floyd Mayweather to have taken. So um uh yeah, with one hundred percent this should go on his record.
2: One more email, this is great. So uh last week we tried to give away some prizes. And do you remember you were struggling over the name Connor Jewess?
4: <laughs> yes.
2: Anyway, he sent me this amazing email. Okay. So, Brian is obviously... He, Brian's owned by the Russians, uh, like Trump, and uh, he works for ACB, and Brian was offering enough tickets to go to a show or a pair of gloves signed by Frank Mir. Listen to this email, mate. It's, it's about two pages long. I'll edit it down. Good after, It begins at this, first of all. Good afternoon. My name is Connor Jewess... <laughs> I downloaded the podcast and heard that you chose me to win tickets to the event on July the 22nd or a pair of gloves signed by Frank Mir. Unfortunately, not free on the 22nd to go and see the fight. And he starts telling me then about his, uh, his grandmother coming over from another country and he, he can't miss that. And, and then he goes on to say he's new to watching the sport and uh, he'd honestly not heard of Frank Mir until he was mentioned on the podcast. <laughs> Therefore, he wants to donate his signed gloves to the Samster, the real karate kid. How nice is that? Oh my goodness, what a dude, that's amazing. So if you can get, when next time you see Uncle Frank, if you can get him to sign one to the real Karate Kid, the Samster, that'll be great. Amazing, that is it, done, done, my friend.
3: Oh, that's a lovely email, really cool, very nice.
2: All right, then let's go into the fights then. Um, Let's go to, uh, first of all, then I need to say that uh, I am a massive arse. I was really dismissive about UFC Glasgow. I even yawned when we started to talk about it and said it's not going to be much. I watched it. I watched the prelims. Watched the main card, and I loved it. I thought it was this very strange and brutal night. What about you?
3: Oh, it was, it was yeah one of those surprise cards, isn't it? And this is this is the beauty of of uh, the UFC of MMA is that with boxing, usually when you look at a card, it's just the main fight you're interested in, and generally that's the one that that, that everyone cares about. With UFC cards. We might have dismissed this. Wrongly, we did dismiss this. Um, I think we were more upset that the the UK isn't getting bigger cards, but the fighters that were on that card, they put in some amazing performances. There were some crazy finishes. There were some big upsets. Uh, There were some... Stunning fights some stunning skills and heart showing up there. Um, so, yeah, it, it, again, I'll apologize to UFC Glasgow. Uh, but, what yeah, what, what a card. And, and the prelims kicked it off amazingly. Yeah. This is the fight that really uh, got my blood boiling was uh, Leslie Smith. Uh, fight, I thought she was immense, absolutely Wasn't she immense? amazing? And also, Amanda Brian, was...
2: what's she doing on, on the prelims? Is that just because she started talking about there should be the union and they went, yeah, how about then you stay on the prelims and on Fight Pass? Because she should have been on well, the this, main card. She was brilliant.
3: Without a doubt. She always brings it. She is the lady that is uh, uh, given so much to the UFC as far as a fighter. You think about her ear exploding in the Jessica Eye fight. That's half her ear hangout. up She still wanted to carry on fighting there. She stepped up to fight Cyborg. The UFC gave her that in Brazil. She yeah. got destroyed, but she was game enough to do it. Uh, she has been very vocal right from the start before a lot of people uh, she was involved in trying to get this fighters' union going on. And I do feel it's something like, it's something to do with that that she's getting put right on the fight, uh, early prelims, the fight press prelims, not just any prelims but sent to glasgow to go and do it to open the card uh, but she showed exactly why she's an exciting fight she comes from that scrap pack team um with uh, gilbert melendez in a corner uh, and she fights just like it she, i thought she, she was great like she, technically she was going to get beaten but she just kept coming and she broke amanda Lima. yes she
2: did that's exactly the right word especially when you consider the fight that they start off the main card was the two big chubsters uh, Justin Willis and James <laughs> Mulheron. I mean, w- wow, wow, wow. This is the this this starts. You know what people think about people from Scotland? How they don't look after a diet. And this is the opening fight. I mean, I know they weren't both Scots as such, but do you know what I mean? <laughs> that was two very, very large guys who. Enjoyed, yeah,
3: yeah. I was gonna say, you could have had that fight at any of the uh, Eddie Stobart parking um, <laughs> facilities where two truckers get out and fight over the last sausage roll or something.
2: Like yeah, that. it, it looked like if it, it, it was closing time at the KFC and they said, Listen, guys, really, all can, there's only one bucket of chicken left. I'm having it, I'm having it. All right, I'll fight you. Let's take our shirts off. No, please put a shirt on. They should have kept their UFC shirts on for that one. <laughs> no, please, guys. But you know what? I I, I feel bad actually because there's a lot of um there were a lot of people taking the Mickey out of their uh, their upper body physiques, and I say, listen, yeah. if you've got titties like that, let the titties fly around the world. Free them titties.
3: hashtag free them titties, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we ever bump into these two, you know we're we're, we're knackered. You know that, don't you? <laughs> well, the thing
2: is, my, my wife walked in right, and she went, "Oh my well, word, well, what is this? Are they, are they like won a competition?" And I know. <laughs> I mean, James oh, Muller Heron, he's a, he's a good fighter. You know, he, he was like, working <laughs> on a, a on a building good site. Good. He's a good dude. He is, and
3: he's also he's a really nice chap. Yeah. I've spoken to him a couple of times, and he's a. Uh, Really, really cool. Like, totally looks like he's from Newcastle. Really got that Geordie sort of spirit. And, uh, but actually, like they they, they commented it a few times, he does move well for quite a big for for quite a big bloke. But it's, for for that to be the first fight on the uh, on the card, especially when you look, you've got Robertson Nash that finished off the F- uh, F- uh, FSA yeah. um, but I think uh, I think that would have been a better opener in my eyes, anyway.
2: All right, let's let's talk about the one that people are still talking about. Um, Santiago. Ponzi Nibio, let's call him Ponzi, uh, looked like the real deal against Gunnar Nelson, going into it as the uh, as the underdog, um, and then, you know, it sparks out Gunnar. It was quite a violent fight, but then we see all the stuff about the eye poke. What's your take on that?
3: Yeah, well, I, I just caught that today. So, basically, I, I caught up with the, uh, the the cards earlier on, and I, I watched that fight. I felt really impressive. And then as I was, uh, like, sat on Facebook earlier on today, someone put that video up of the four eye pokes that lead into yeah. it. And what I will say, I, actually, eye pokes happen. It is something that is continuously going to happen. It's hard happen not to sport, with, with those gloves,
2: and, you know, they've got an open hand, they're pushing someone away or trying to find the range, especially early on in the yeah. fight. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard, isn't it? You know, it's, it's a horrible way... To then being you can't see, and then you got a big dude like that wailing on you, and you know, he, and he sparks him out. It, you know, a fair play to Gunnar Nelson. He didn't bitch or moan. He even went to the post-fight press conference, which most fighters don't do after that. But he said, "Look, I should have said yeah. something. I didn't. That's on me. That's my fault." Uh, and and it's, it's hard because for for Ponzi as well, he doesn't really quite get this stunning victory that it first appeared it, that it was.
3: No, it's slightly taken away. And from, from my point of view, I think eye pokes, what they're trying to do with eye pokes now, with the new rules where it's actually a, a foul to keep your hands extended if the referee's warned you, I think that's a good thing. And I think one, one accidental eye poke is bad. But four within that space, yeah. amount of time, the, the fighter has got to take responsibility where his fingers are. If you're throwing a punch, you have to throw it with a closed fist because we've seen with Michael Bisbing he has lost an eye to this sport. Yep. Uh, that isn't to an eye poke, but, but the, this is, it is devastating within a fight and long term it can be even more damaging, especially for uh, uh, somebody trying to pursue a career in this. So I think he's just he's got to take some responsibility for that. It has taken some shine off what was a great finish, but um, I'm a bit gutted to see that that happens to, to Gunnar.
2: Yeah, I am. Um, Let's talk about the other fight that people still talk about. Like I said, it was actually quite a controversial night. Joanne Calderwood and uh, Cynthia Calvillo. Um, uh, It was a strange fight to watch at times. And obviously, she got the the win because first and third round, she got the takedown and almost submitted her as well. Um, And obviously, Joanne was really upset with the decision at the end. But I, I thought... Calvillo is getting a lot of, uh, you know, she's on Dana White's hype train. I think she's uh, she's amazing on the ground, but she's got a lot of work to do with her takedowns and, and striking.
3: Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think JoJo was was very disappointed with that. I think uh, uh, I think she's pretty disappointed with, with where she is in the UFC's eyes as well. I don't think she enjoys her weight class. I don't think she enjoys the lack of attention she sort of gets outside of when there's an event on. Uh, whereas you look across that cage and you've got Cynthia Cal- uh, Calvillo and she is getting that hype. She is getting that love. So um, I can understand that from from all angles with Jojo. It was a tight fight. It was a close yeah. fight. Jojo got bloodied up. There were some beautiful moments between them in the cage where they're obviously enjoying themselves, and, and you can see... high-fiving and smiling themselves. at each
2: other. Yeah, I mean, I still and enjoyed no, the fight.
3: blood pouring down her face. <laughs> it's exactly, really did enjoy the fight. And it's another one that shows exactly why uh, that is a co-main event, or any female fight, um, or, yeah, any, when you look at a card, it's good to see the UFC putting women's MMA up there alongside the uh, main events. And,
2: That's uh, right, and we, events we were doing yeah. this way before the new Doctor Who. In fact, they've got the idea yeah, about putting a woman right, in the TARDIS from right. seeing <laughs> the UFC. They got that from Cyborg, that idea. That's that's, that's, that's the UFC ideas, Doctor Who. Um we, we've nailed that. No, i tell you what, it another star exactly. for me um, was Paul Felder. Um, Love this guy. So his dad dies a few days before his fight camp begins. He still goes to fight camp, lives in the gym, at Rufus Sports, enters the octagon in Glasgow with his dad's ashes in a little uh, necklace around oh. his neck... And then Stevie Ray, it kind of knocked him out by the look of it twice. It was an incredibly violent, short fight. But that knee and then later some of the, the most vicious elbows since John yeah, Jones. Was, incredible.
3: Um, absolutely incredible. And when you hear the story behind it, I know Stevie Ray was in his home backyard and he was rising up after the back of the uh, uh, Ross Pearson win and getting all that hype. But when, when you see somebody, a man like Paul Felder, and from all the stuff I've heard from people in and around the sport, he's such a nice guy. He came he's, across uh, like that fight, in, the, in the
2: interview uh, afterwards, Brian. I don't know if you've seen it, but he yeah. did a very, very humble, grateful post-fight speech and uh, he also is uh, part of the the announcing team as well on Dana's new Tuesday night show, uh, Contenders. Uh, Excellent. I, I, I was really impressed with him. I thought he, he looked really, really good. Really exciting.
3: Do you know he used to be a Broadway actor? Yes. You know yes, I know. I think he's yes, like a so classically he, he, he's trained he's actor. I with, know. With, with, with a dance behind him and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I just, it's just one of those where you, you see the way he fights and you couldn't quite picture him, you know, uh, getting his makeup run, ready to go sing a Broadway musical or something. But he's a, he's a nice guy, he's a badass, and he's got one hell of a voice from what I've heard as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I also there was another another uh, incredibly violent fight and a stubborn one. Khalil Roundtree what against Paul Craig? Uh, just uh, it was just an incredibly uh, exciting looking talent. Uh, Khalil Roundtree looked really really explosive. I did not like the bit where he just stood there standing over. Um the inert um, Paul Craig for a good 10 seconds. I thought that was a bit uh, unneeded, but still um looked yeah. really exciting.
3: Yeah, I, 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 I think that was unnecessary. Yeah. I think it was an impressive finish. He, he, he beat Paul Craig. Paul Craig didn't seem himself to be quite honest. No, he fought a bad fight. fight. I don't know what was going on. Yeah, he fought, that's exactly right. He fought, he fought a bad fight, but uh, he got finished uh round. Three. It looked scary as hell. He looked oh really Yeah. uh but then hovering over him, it's just like there was something sinister about it. Like yeah. he wants to be the first thing he sees when he comes to, and he wakes <laughs> up. And, uh, but but it's, it's just a scary thought, isn't it? Yeah, like, the thing nightmares are made of. But um, a, a really, really impressive finish. And uh, I just, I want to see what what's, what um, what Paul Craig's got next as well, because I like him as a uh, uh, as a bloke and a fighter as well. So ho- hopefully he'll he'll figure out whatever's going on there and, and get back on that horse and, and, and get back in the cage soon.
2: Another um, moment, um, two words, Galore Bufando. Wow-wee, what a name. <laughs> it's like a Bond baddie. If he auditioned to be a Bond baddie, they go, actually, mate, you're too scary. It's actually too scary. Gal- yeah. Galore Bufando, yeah. meet Mr Bond. Um, yeah. I mean, that Charlie yeah, but- Ward, he sort of slammed him, just picked up, threw him at the mat, and then he was, like, kind of unconscious. Yeah, and uh,
3: uh, when you're saying in a in a cage where that you, uh, across it you've got Charlie Ward... Who is from a traveler's background? Who has fought all of his life? Who uh, was the uh, yeah? He's Con- Conor McGregor's main sparring partner. One of the scariest dudes I've ever met. Yeah. was At Bama, He he's supposed to fight on there, and his, his opponent pulled out, and I'm not surprised. Um, well, just intimidated. But when you're saying the scariest man in that cage is Galo Bafando, that says something about that man because he was he was so impressed. It wasn't just. Uh, like, the finish wasn't just amazing. He was so exciting to watch. Yeah, that very. Stylist, I mean, is going to be in. That kind um, of
2: almost like taekwondo, you know, the crazy kicks.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, he's from London Shoot Fighters, so he, he trains out there, so you can see that sort of Michael Venom page, yep. the way he expresses himself in his strikes and his movement and all that stuff. But he's actually called, I don't know if you saw this, uh, I think he's actually called that move the bitch toss. So he finished in with a what? bitch toss. That's horrible.
2: <laughs> yeah. No. I, I. I. Do you know what? I. Uh. I, I take it back. I think I really enjoyed UFC Glasgow. I had a lot of big upsets. I mean, for the Scots, I mean, virtually everyone got taken out. I think there's only one or two that that, that all won. All but
3: one, I think. Yeah. No. All but one. So I think it's uh, one and three they went. And but but for the Welsh, it was good. Uh, Brett Johns did well in the prelims, very very good against Morales, and then Marshman went yeah. through a war to beat uh, to beat James. So yeah, he did the Welsh did very well. I tell the, you what, what, the Scottish crowds were amazing as well.
2: Yeah, they were. Honestly, they were really, really good. And I hope the UFC does go back there um, again because uh, it, it, I thought it was a great night. I uh, also to tell you who I think Brian is the is the best uh, ref in uh, in uh, UFC is Mark Goddard. I thought the way where he was positioned when Craig got slammed and was out. He moved in very quickly, and uh, obviously a couple of hammer fists still went in. But um, he wasn't on the other side of the cage, and he and he, he leapt in very quickly. I think Mark Goddard deserves some uh, some uh, respect for what he does. I thought he's, I, I think he's the best ref that the UFC got actually.
3: Um, I, I rate him up there without a doubt. I think he's he's just aware. He's he's been a fighter himself He's a black belt in jiu uh, jitsu, kickboxing, he's, he's done MMA he as well before, uh, so he understands where he's got to be and when, and he's, he doesn't make the fight about him he's he's nearly invisible most of the time and uh, i think that's a really good sign uh, of a good ref and uh, there's not many fights that you look that he's refereed and you go oh he's let it go too long or let that submission stay on or, or anything like that he's he's not wrapped in controversy he's consistent and he, he had a good game. If it was football, he had a good game on Saturday.
2: But no, I think they're stupid because you're talking about referees, and there are some football referees that um, make themselves to be one of the stars on the pitch, and, they get, and, and they, they're like they're the brand or something, and he's not about that. We should just talk about Bellator. Um, that was fight of the year so far, the two round, 10 minute war, the, th- the third fight between Campos and uh, Brandon Goertz. Uh, shame it got stuck, uh, stopped with that huge cut. But that they, they came swinging for the fences. You know, it's like sometimes when two oh. uh, two fighters fight for the third time. It can go. take a while to get going. They kind of nullify each other a bit. They know each other's tricks. They went out there swinging for the fences immediately.
3: So they were they were stunning, and uh, the fact it was a rubber match and there was no tentativeness. They just went straight back. It was as if it was round round four of the last fight. They just kept going for yeah. that one, and uh, uh, it was it was brutal. And the, the thing I loved is they they it was so and forth, and there was great technique and all that and all that sort of stuff, but you could really tell that they knew this is the fight, this is the one that's going to mean I've got it over him. They could see that that is his adversary, um, and the 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 uh, the shots they each took off each other would have knocked most other lightweight uh, easily out. But the the, the cut itself—that was a vicious that was cut, pretty good. When might. My wife even said, my wife said to me, she doesn't watch any of this. But you know when some images sort of bleed into uh, and bleed from, excuse the pun, but bleed into like the, the mainstream Facebook stuff. She said somebody's got a hole in their head in, uh, in MMA. She said, why, why did you fight in MMA? What, what were you doing, Jesus? Um, but that's, that's that 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 cut looked like a flux capacitor on the centre of his head, <laughs> his head, didn't it?
2: Yeah, he's gonna have like a Harry Potter kind of mark there, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, I thought an instant classic. It's, it's definitely contender for fight of the year so far for Bellator. So before we talk about UFC Long Island, let's go through our heroes and villains of the last seven days. Who is your hero, Brian?
3: My hero? Well, mate, this is a little a personal one. Uh, I got to witness the last fight of the cheesecake assassin, Danny Mitchell, on Saturday night up at uh, Cage Steel in Doncaster. Um, and he's, he's, that's where he started his career, uh, he's went to the uh, through the the regional ranks up through the the national European into the UFC. He's got two twister finishes Did on he? his record, which is uh, which yeah two twister finishes. He's got the most. I knew he, I knew twister. he I knew he had one. Um, he's,
2: and he's a really funny character as well. He's a, he's, a, he's a good submission grappler too.
3: It's a, he's sort of deceivingly technical. Like he, when you look mm. at him, he's, he's like he looks like he's just taking it. He's relaxed, having a joke, and all that. His whole image, but but he's so technical. He's so dangerous. Um, and he, uh, yeah, he came back to finish off his career. He knew that his body basically was giving. He gave a little speech at the end. His body's been telling him for a while that it, it, it's time to, to, to hang him up. So, yeah, just feeling the warmth and the energy, and it was a long night. But when he came out, the crowd were on their feet for him. He got got the finish, got it pretty quickly. But just to see that moment and to see the amount of fans he's got in that area, it, it was really nice. So, yeah, my. My hats off to the
2: cheesecake assassin. Yeah, same as we should say as well for another great warrior as well uh, uh, up in Scotland. Um, the uh, the send off that uh, couldn't get the win, but send off for Neil Seary as well. Um, again, yeah. another amazing what competitor. What an yeah. Amazing other sport. yeah, really classy guy. My hero of the week does come from USC Glasgow. It's a guy who you often see in the background, then he has to step in and put something out. And haven't been to a lot of USC events. I'm always. Watching this guy as much as the fighters as well. It is Security Steve.
3: Security Steve is an absolute legend. He's a man-mountain of a geezer. And I say geezer because that's what he is. He's a London boy, yeah, he born is. and bred. And uh, uh, he's just, he's a, he's always there. He actually, wait, when Brad Pickett's hat got nicked uh, when he was making his walk, uh, I think it was at the Sacramento fight. It might be there. Or it might uh, uh, he went into the stands and he retrieved the famous Brad Pickett Trilby uh, by hand <laughs> off the person that had, that had taken it. So uh, I, yeah. I,
2: I can never get enough of him. My eyes are always on him. And when I took my wife to her first uh, UFC event, it was the one up in Manchester, Henderson versus uh, Bisping. You know, the one that was up on like three yeah. in the morning, four in the morning, actually, it was with the time that it yeah. came out. And um, she kept going, who is that guy? And I went, that is security Steve. And he's just, he's there in the background. And even with that, that Kevin Lee moment when they started, and uh, Chiesa, when they teed off, he was straight in there. Yeah. Um, I uh, I, th- I think I think he's amazing. And uh, up in Glasgow, Joanne Calderwood's corner actually got into it, uh, almost got into it with some, I think people just had a bit too much to drink and were a bit upset by the result. And there was a bit of a, well, not quite a set two, but it came really close with one of her cornermen. Uh, I think it was Justin. And security Steve, from my eyewitnesses who were there, Settled it. That's all I heard. So I don't no. know. I don't know. <laughs> but he just stopped it from getting in. I, I just, the guy deserves some respect, and that's security, Steve. We'll have to get him on the show one day.
3: Oh, we will. And uh, do you think future UFC Hall of Famer?
2: Um, he should be. I know they've just had it recently. He needs to be in there next year. Security Steve.
3: Excellent. I love that one, mate. Great shout.
2: All right. Villain of the Week. My Villain of the Week, actually, is how much we're going to have to pay for the Mayweather-McGregor fight. We always knew it was going to be pricey, but when you're here in America, it's going to be two tiers and over a hundred bucks. You start to think, what's it going to be here in the UK? Um, They haven't quite done the deal. That's the latest um, from uh, Showtime with uh, a UK, whether it's going to be Sky or whether it's going to be BT Sport or Eddie Hearn's lot mob. Um, But it it doesn't look like it's going to be cheap. It could be, it could be, you know, it could be seventy to eighty quid.
3: I, I actually heard that if, it, if it's on Sky with a subscription uh, to the sports channels, it'll be eighty nine pounds. Without a subscription, one hundred and twenty nine pounds ninety nine. That's eight.
2: that's the rumours at the moment, and uh, I just think. You know, they're not going to do this, but I sh- I think it should be when you go to a restaurant and you have a nice meal, you go, well, do you know what? That's that's. I'll put 10, 15 quid down. They were really friendly, weren't they? I think we yeah. should watch the fight. Yeah. Then we will have a little whip round. <laughs> and you go, do you know what? All right, I'll chuck in a tenner. Dave, what do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, that was a tenner. We shouldn't be paying that money up front. When you don't know how good it's going to be, I hope it's going to be great. But we don't
3: know, do you? 100 quid on a, on a maybe? 100 quid, mate. 100 quid, A hundred. More than that, it's a lot of money, and they'll do that whole thing. where you can get your mates round. I'm, I'm, I'm a stand-up comedian and a commentator, and I spend a lot of time on my own. I haven't got ten mates that I can bring round, so be just <laughs> me very, on my this own. Very, very sad. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll come round though, won't you, Christian? I come around. yeah. You, I just think it's so Christian? much money.
2: I hope Christian. these. I've got to, honestly. I'm very busy at the moment. Those dates don't work, Brian. Um, it's me. I'm watching it with Security <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Now I would pay hundred quid to that's see that's him fight right. Mayweather. I'd pay a hundred pound to see Security Steve batter Mayweather. <laughs> that would go in the first round.
3: <laughs> <laughs> security Steve against Mayweather. I'd pay that. that It'd spark him out, the out in the first car. first
2: punch. And who's oh, your who's your villain of the week crazy. apart from your Turkish hotel with an unworking oh, wait, landline?
3: That's right. Well, I'm sticking with the uh, the Mayweather McGregor sort of theme. So my villain of the week is Jesse Vargas.
2: Oh yeah, yeah.
3: All right. So Jesse Vargas is the one that did the interview, and basically has has uh, put it amongst the pigeons that Conor McGregor has been KO'd, inspiring by Bradley Wheeler. Now this is. Uh, it might happen. It might not. It might just be a rumor. He's saying that boxing is, is a small world, and that they know this has happened, and that Wheeler's been removed from the camp, and all that. And there's there's two two sort of codes of ethics there. First of all, is that what happens in the gym stays in the gym. It is sparring. It is fighting. They are trying to train him up for a fight. They're not just going to be tickling him while he's in there. He probably will get injured. He probably will get. Well, do you know what? It, it's
2: happened that. in you know it's happened. There are rumours of it happening in um, uh, in boxers getting knocked out all the time in sparring, and it's all kept quiet. It's like a code of conduct. Yeah. However, the latest bride, just you know, is Total. people are saying that it was a false rumour started by McGregor as a joke. Um, and he's never even sparred with that guy. So the latest thing in sort of the last half an hour is that it's this. And I think we're going to get a lot of this, all these rumours that McGregor's terrible. I think you're going to have a lot of it over the next yep. couple of weeks because well, there's, there's a huge appetite for stories off the back of the press conference, and now it's suddenly gone quiet. They're going to be getting into their fight camps, and so I think you're going to hear a lot of these kind of silly rumours. This won't be the first time you hear something like yes, this. Or, or McGregor's wet himself, or can't wipe, wipe his own backside. You know, you'll hear a lot... <laughs> or his hotel room hasn't got a landline. You're going to hear a lot of these quite... <laughs> damaging rumours and
3: stuff like that uh, but yeah I, I, that's what I mean it's the code of conduct thing for me I, th- I think you take everything that we hear with a pinch of salt but I just think if he is Bradley Wheeler's friend then he shouldn't be saying it, cause he could have lost Bradley Wheeler some sparring if Bradley Wheeler has never sparred in there anyway he shouldn't be talking about it anyway so Jesse Vargas for me just, just fueling that fire uh, yeah, you can take a
2: running jump. Okay, let's talk about this weekend then. Uh, before we've got the big uh, Jones Cormier uh, love action. Um, it is UFC Fight Night Long Island. It's a it's a sp- spectacular uh, fight. You've obviously got uh, Chris Weidman uh, fighting for his livelihood now in the UFC against uh, rising star Kelvin uh, Gastelum. Then you've got in the co-main, uh Dennis Bermudez taking on Darren Elkins, and then you've got uh, Patrick Cummins and uh, Gian Vellante. Three great fights.
3: Stunning fights. and then Riviera Almeida as well, kicking off the main card. Yeah. I think mean, that's 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 the one to watch. That's the one that I think might steal the show. Yeah, but, uh, Weidman taking this as a fight which could potentially put him zero and four in his last four, which would which uh, is unthinkable. Uh, it's not unlikely. With it is unthinkable. You saying that sentence? He's fighting for his livelihood in the UFC. You go back two years, and he's well, still got the uh, the belt and all that sort of stuff. Wait, he, he, he beat the Silver unbeatable twice. Anderson Silver twice.
2: Anderson Silva twice. You know, I mean, it, it, yeah. he was just on such a tear. He looked unstoppable. You know, a brilliant, brilliant, uh, you know, brilliant jujitsu. jitsu great styker, really, really smart fighter. And then the last, I said the yeah. last couple of fights, he just has made these kind of, he's kind of mistakes. He obviously, Romero took him out with that horrifying knee, but just, do you remember against Rockhold, yeah. the kind of crazy sort of kick he did as well? You know, I, I just think...
3: I he threw that spinning heel kick and then just got, Put on the mat, and and that I think that's the fight that changed him. That yeah. beating that he took there, he he was a different fighter after that. But then he's he's not had a like a reset fight. It's always been top contenders. Well, really, or, this is uh, a
2: really really yeah, tough uh, matchup, isn't
3: it? Well, has proved Gassman should be at welterweight. But he's yep. proved he is a nightmare at middleweight. Look at what he did to Johnny Hendricks. Look at what he did to Uriah Hall. Look at what he's done to a lot of people. And, and from what I've heard from people that I, I know that know Gastelum, that, that he's taken this one very seriously. He's been known to sort of maybe not train as hard as he could, or anything, but he's he's coming in. And that that's a dangerous thought for me because he's got some of the best hands in the business. Very good. good hands. Uh, And uh, and he's got knockout power. And Chris Weidman has been rocked and KO'd in his his last uh, uh, all of his last three fights. So for me, I think this is just. I would have liked to see Weidman take a step down in competition, but the nature of his beast is that he, he would just want to keep taking on these contenders and keep believing. So it's a tough, tough fight. I actually, I'm gonna, I actually pick uh, Gastelum to, to win it. Do you know what, it, mate? I, 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 mentioned,
2: I mentioned that way. It's hard to see past him, but it depends which Chris Weidman turns up. If it's the one that fought uh, years, a couple of years ago and was on a tear, if it's that one who's 100% concentrating and not going to make silly kind of calls, then I think it's a tougher fight. But if it's the one of the last three or four fights and he's just now on this downward spiral um, and past his best or just not the same fighter and can't make the changes anymore, whether that's a mental thing, I don't know. But um, I, it, it's a tight fight. It's one I can't wait to see.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a great headline fight. And uh, for it to be in Long Island, to be in uh, Chris Weidman's backyard they'll go off for that with Delante on the card as well that's that's a great fight him and Cummings that's going to be a, uh, a barn burner. if Delante can keep uh, Cummings wrestling off him I, I can see them swinging and him taking that one and then Bermudez versus Elkins uh, Elkins has looked a totally different beast since yeah. he made, uh, made the move to uh, Team Alpha Male What one thing I do not appreciate on Terry Elkins is his new tattoo you know everyone seems to get chest tattoos and ab tattoos and he's literally just had the, de- the damage written right across his chest and uh um it's just, it's just like a really bad tattoo. So, uh, uh, but a good fight. Number 10 in the world in Premier yeah. is 10 and, and Elkins is 11. So, great, great fight.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole thing's there. Now, I know we've got to let you go in a minute. And uh, I'm going to be catching up with Luke Thomas. Before you go, then, we have now the audio from the press conference. Brian and I were at Friday night at Wembley. Um, so, this is Brian and I chatting to, or trying to chat to, Dana White. So first of all, I asked him a question, uh, saying at the end of the week, you know, that it's been a really exciting week. Will the fight be as exciting? And this is Dana's answer. I
5: hope so. Listen, who in here can tell me the last time they saw Connor in a boring fight? You know? Um, and I think it's going to be the same in boxing. I, I think that you, you know how bad Connor wants this. And, and uh, Connor will go in there and he will try to knock Floyd Mayweather out. Whether it, you know... It's to his demise or or whether he wins he's gonna go in there and fight because for me at the end of the day You know all the build-up for the Pacquiao Mayweather fight, you know, and that fight sucked And and, and I think it was very damaging not just to you know boxing but the combat sports as a whole Especially, you know when you talk about pay-per-view buys and every time I believe me I I put on 42 events a year and I sweat every one of them, you know (laughs) Because I'm always I always want the show to be great I want people to turn off the TV or leave the arena and go all right that was worth it, you know, but I have no control over that, but it's one of the things that drives me absolutely crazy. And uh, I just I just hope it's a good fight. Are you going to put money on Connor to win? <laughs> no, no, I'm not betting on this thing. Um, we, we kind of have a policy, you know, that we don't bet on our own fights. Because if anything crazy ever happened, be like, this guy had $3 million on the fight. Of course this is the way it went. It's all fixed and it's all rigged. And you're way better off just not betting on the fight.
2: Yeah, he's got millions, really. Though, and he? he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to give that away. And then there was <laughs> so just to describe again what it's like. We're in this kind of. There's only about thirty different reporters there, and it's a bit of a bear pit. You know, you have got to get your question in loud. I'm kind of used to this being a hall of famer of radio, Brian. I'm taking under my wing, and it was brutal. How many times did you try? And, you all you got with D- Dana, D- Dana. But, that- have a listen back to this. We, we've had a little. We've had a play with this. This is try and play along. How many times did Brian just say Dana and they not get any further? This is amazing.
5: You're way better off just not betting on the plane.
3: The other thing that's been very impressive, <laughs> Dana. 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 The, Dana. 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 The other thing that's been very impressive is your <laughs> intros. There you go. He's done player. it. <laughs> got, a in well well up up? got a question? Well done, Brian.
2: Well done, buddy. You got the question away.
3: That was brilliant. <laughs> but it was so frustrating. I, 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 was, I gave the. Da- uh,
2: there's I mean, one, a couple German, of them. You, you uh, couldn't even say Dana. There was a German guy who just kept talking over you. And you D, 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 Dada. Dad! Dane! Dane! Dana! Dana International! Anyone? Someone? Dad! Dad did not let
5: my question! (laughs)
2: Uh, Okay, listen, buddy, Mm -hmm. we'll let you go back to uh, your Turkish uh, midweek fighting. Yeah, right. Okay, Brian. Um, And uh, (laughs) have a good time out there. uh, I'll I'll see you when you're back, buddy. Take care. See you when you're back.
3: Take care.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot,
2: Oof. Oof. All right, now on the show, it is time to uh, get the weekly thoughts of uh, the world's youngest mixed martial arts fan. He genuinely is a 14-year-old kid. It's the Samster. We call him the real karate kid. Let's find out what's bugging him this week. Samster, real karate kid. Us!
4: This is the Samster, the real karate kid. Wow. Mayweather, McGregor, what a weird few days we've had. It's been hard oh, work. Hard work! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure Floyd's on commission for how much he says yeah, yeah. But I don't really want to focus on Floyd, I want to focus on his bodyguards. Because obviously Connor doesn't have any bodyguards. Those men are like balloons in a muscle shirt. Those two men look like two big pork chops. Now the next big thing that stood out to me was the dress sense. Not only does Mayweather read like a child, he also dresses like a child. I'm a teenager, and even I don't dress like that. He looked like he just walked out of a Jay Z video, and for Connor's outfit, it looked like he just killed a polar bear for that jacket. Now, the final thing I'd like to talk about was what Connor's dad and Floyd's dad came out and said. So, Connor's dad came out and said that he's not a racist, and Floyd's dad said that he's going to beat up Conor McGregor himself. Now, I don't think we need to worry about that. I want to see Floyd's dad, Connor's dad, go head to head. Bingo boards away. Get the OOP bus down, boys, and let's make this happen.
2: Us. Okay, um, there are so many great talkers um, and analysis in, uh, in MMA, and uh, I think if there was a Mount Rushmore of people who can really tell you what's going on in a fight in a really insightful way. Of course, Joe Rogan's on that Mount Rushmore. And another guy for me uh, is, is, is this guy, and that's Luke Thomas. And uh, I reached out to him, and uh, he's, he's on the show. So welcome to the show, Luke Thomas.
1: Well, that is quite an introduction. I hope I can live up to it. But uh, thank you very much for having me.
2: No, 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 I could say you, are a genuine fight fan, and you're someone who can walk through why a fight is so interesting as well. Um, obviously, over the weekend, we've just had a fight card here in Europe, up in uh, Glasgow. Uh, who were the main winners for you up there? Who impressed you, Luke?
1: Ooh, uh, I would say a couple of them. I thought Paul Felder's win, where he was hammering those elbows over the top, were pretty incredible. But the big one for me, and I'd, some people really bristled at this comparison because I don't think they or maybe I didn't explain it well enough, but I thought Cynthia Calvillo, or Calvillo, depending on how you want to pronounce it, uh, was really a big standout for me. I thought that, yes, she has some work to do in her wrestling. Yes, she has obviously some work to do in her striking. But once she's on the mat, her style of speed grappling just really reminded me of Ronda Rousey. I'm not saying she's the next Ronda Rousey. I'm not saying their games are identical. But that ability to lord speed and smart decision-making in real time over her opponent so quickly, so thoroughly, was just really quite a joy to watch.
2: Yeah, it was. You could see that that really was somewhere where she's um, she's in complete control. She looked really fluid to me, and just how she kept moving and transitioned. And I think another what twenty seconds at the end of that third and final round, she started to get that that naked choke looked in pretty deep, didn't it?
1: It really did. And in that first round, I I don't know that she fully committed to the armbar yeah. because she what, she let it go once she heard the 10th second. Um, you know, clack, clack, clack noise. Yeah. So, even there, you could have said she'd done something, but that, that was when the one. It was that arm bar. She was stuck underneath, and she was able to spin Calderwood, so she got on top. I'm telling you, men or women, you see a lot of guys and, and ladies in MMA, they lose the plot in those kinds of scenarios yep. and then end up in bad scramble. She controlled the entire thing.
2: Yeah, no, I, I was really impressed with her on the ground. Like you say, the kind of the entries to take down and the striking needs a bit of work. But when she was on the uh, her ground game, I thought was uh, was really exciting. What I, I wanted to see more of that
1: for sure. And I mean, there's other people who stood out as well. Unfortunately, you know, the main event I think ended with a little bit of um yeah, uh, you know, regrettable controversy. But there were strong performances up and down that card. It sucked that the Irish and the Scots couldn't perform a little closer <laughs> to home. Uh, not all of them, of course, but most of them. But uh, you know. That's MMA. It's unforgiving.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a very violent and brutal night up in Glasgow. It was It was a lot better, a hell of a lot better than I thought it was going to be, actually, the overall card and the prelims.
1: Yeah, it, everyone's always like, ah, it's the card that you never pay attention to. That's always the best. That's really not true. I often think that's a promoter's way of getting you to watch their lesser products. <laughs> However, it was very much true in this context. I don't know what kind of ratings it did. I don't know... Um, how much enthusiasm there was beyond uh, the UK and and that area of the world. But uh, if you watched, you got definitely a nice treat.
2: Now, uh, after a couple of days after uh, things have died down a bit from the crazy week last week, the circus train that was the uh, the world press tour of uh, May and uh, Mac, how do we feel a couple of days after it? What what have we really learned from it other than as we thought McGregor is better at doing press conferences than Mayweather? Do you think we're any more or less hyped about the fight itself?
1: Yeah, man, this is a tough one. Um and I think partly your experience in London will help define it. I, I didn't go to all three stops. I went to merely the Brooklyn New York stop. Wow. And so obviously I think that you, was You you had the you tough know, you
2: had one. the tougher night loop.
1: Yeah, it was it was not good. It was it was really bad to be honest. Uh but I can acknowledge that Toronto was magic, L.A. was good enough, and London was sort of a return to relative normalcy. So, um, look, here's what I think. Uh, You know, I'm watching how the media has reacted to this. Legacy media appears to be quite disgusted. Some of that you could anticipate. Younger media, particularly MMA media, uh, less so than boxing, they appear to be all in on this. Uh, My general sense of things is that whatever one's opinion, whether what we saw was tawdry or uh, race-baiting or misogynistic or whatever terrible thing you want to say about it um there was some good that there was some good that came from it but ultimately though um it was made more visible i think it's really the only thing that matters in the end unless it goes completely terribly off the rails which as bad as it was in brooklyn i don't think it did and so my point being is even if you hated it or you really liked it the ultimate objective of this tour was to raise awareness it was to raise visibility because liking it or disliking it still served the ultimate interest of visibility. And in that sense, I think it was a grand success.
2: Yeah, when uh, when Dana came and spoke to us before the London um, press have actually started, there was about 30 journalists in this tiny little room. And uh, the first thing he said, he just went... Can I just say, first of all, um, yeah, uh, Brooklyn was just that was shit. That was really bad. And then the whole room kind of relaxed a bit, like, all right, okay, he, he's dealt with the white elephant in the room. That wasn't that wasn't the best one, and uh, they needed a, a slightly more sane and more focused one. And I thought with the boxing ring, I think it looked it was a better end to the tour. Come off the back of Brooklyn,
1: it really was. And the only thing that was bad about the London stop was. McGregor's good when he's dialed up to eleven, which is what I think you saw in Toronto and yeah. L.A. Yeah, he he's there. not good when he's yeah, yeah, he's not good when he's dialed up to twenty. You know, so when you're coming out to uh, a, a, a pink, oh, what was it, the uh, the fur coat? He's got no shirt on. I mean, that's really when he just—it's just way too much. But then you know, Floyd was terrible. I mean, not terrible in London. Floyd was Floyd in London, but. You know, I don't know what I don't want to police language too much because at the same time these guys are just going to punch each other in the face, and I'm I'm, I'm somewhat uh, sympathetic to that argument. At the same time, it's sort of regrettable that Floyd gets away with some of the bad things that he does. But um, it ended as, as soon as it needed to, yeah. uh, and because London was better than Brooklyn, it didn't end on quite the same sour note. But I think even you guys probably felt by the time it got there, I was ready for that to be over. I was really done. Four, four was just too much.
2: Yeah, four was too much. I think three would have been enough. I think they needed to do one in Europe because I guess London was at least the closest-ish to Dublin. Um, and so I think it would have been noticeable by its absence, um, seeing as he, you know, he represents Ireland. But um, you, you know what I mean? As I think Toronto and LA, I think it, they just needed three. Otherwise, there's only so much trash talking they can do. What else can they say?
1: Right. I mean, this is, this is an absurd uh, task for them. Yeah. Where you have giant crowds. Giant crowds means giant expectations. They want to see red meat. They want to <laughs> have the red meat thrown at them, right? This is what they want. No, absolutely. This is what they're there for. You're there, right? I mean, how do you, I mean, the tickets are free, but how do you have tickets for a press conference and then not expect a show? You know, it's, it's sort of wild. And, and I actually went to the Mayweather Canelo press tour. Um, And that was a big fight, too. That sold over 2 million pay-per-view buys, That's but no means a small fight. One of the biggest ones ever, quite literally. And I remember they came to the Howard Theater here in Washington, D.C., and Canelo came out on the balcony of one side and the crowd went wild, and Mayweather came out of the balcony on the other side and the crowd went wild, and they faced off all the various boxing luminaries, said their, you know, hey, we're going to win speech, and then they just went on to the next day. Right? That's easy to do. You can replicate that at scale. How do you replicate uh two-man show where there's no coordination between the two men it is it is an absurd task the fact that they got you know two good days maybe three if you want to count london is almost <laughs> borderline miraculous to, to be quite honest but i don't think that you can actually to that point replicate what these guys did at scale but it was certainly something novel and different, I could say that.
2: Yeah, and like you said, the key thing was, it was the first time we've seen the two of them together. And you're right, it, it, it was, it was in, in this country, it was front-page news. And I think you started to also get this ridiculous sense. Just We all know, we've been saying, well, this is fight of the century. This is more an event than just a fight. And it, we have to see it like that as well. But you really started to get a sense of like, no, this really is, this is huge.
1: Yeah, again, I can't speak to the reception in, in uh, the UK for this one, uh, but I certainly take your word for it. Here it's been – here. It's, it's hard to explain how it's been here. Here it's been everywhere, which to my point speaks to that visibility argument. Yep. And at the same time, polarizing. Uh, you, you're really seeing – Same, same seeing, over
2: here. Uh, you know, same over there. When I was yeah. in London, 99% of the crowd, there were 16,000 people at Wembley in London, 99% of them were McGregor fans. There were a couple of faithful Floyd ones – they obviously drowned out. So it was an MMA partisan crowd. they are guys there. Most of them will never get to be in the same room or watch him fight. So they went crazy for him. Um, so it was it was kind of... It was preaching to the converted, if, if you know what I mean. But the boxing journalists were there just think it's an absolute farce over here. They don't take it seriously. They, they, they don't think it's going to be a fair fight. They think it's a joke.
1: Well, that, it's best it's way here to the point where many of them aren't even covering it. Uh, in many of the tour stops, what you've noticed is that, yes, there's been some boxing media. Dan Raphael is probably the biggest boxing yeah. reporter out of ESPN. I saw him here in uh, in, in Brooklyn. Uh, and there were a couple of other ones, but it is predominantly – so it's interesting. So in my position on the line when all the luminaries came down for the interviews, I was next to the NFL Network. Um, I don't know why they were there, but here they are. And then on the other side of me was Inside Edition and TMZ, two gossip sites yep. that have really very little – relationship to sports at all um and there was very little boxing media and so to me this may be a boxing fight and this may be a mayweather promoted boxing tour uh press tour but it, they turned into mcgregor and mma pep rallies i don't know if you guys have pep rallies in the uk but we we have them here where you know the football team is about to have a big um, a big uh, uh, game on sunday the whole school gets together and everybody cheers them on that's what it was kind of like yeah it was no it, shocking, it was. Uh, to see that yeah,
2: I mean, you got you know, despite we might think of him uh, personally and uh, him, uh, you know, what is like Mayweather. The fact is, he's a brilliant boxer, and you know, suddenly you you you're you're amongst sixteen thousand people who are booing and jeering him. Um, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of odd, and like you said, it was more like a roast at times. And everyone, there was an energy in the room that once it ended, people felt a bit frustrated. Like, oh, what do we do now? They wanted it. They wanted the fight to begin. It felt like it was all this kind of excitement, and then they went. That was it. It was, you know, the stage time really was 20 minutes, 25 minutes, um, and then it was over, and there's 16,000 people who are all, were all all full of beer who kind of like, what do we do now? They suddenly realize what, what what actually just happened.
1: Yeah, see, the Brooklyn stuff was so different. It was so different. By the time uh, they got there, I mean, it was two hours late. It drained the crowd from energy. Yeah and then McGregor, you know, and not only, I mean, whatever else you want to say about what McGregor and Floyd did, were, the sound system was so bad, you couldn't even understand a word they were saying. It was such it was such an epic mess, so I didn't quite get that same feel out of New York. I think the feel I got, though, when the tour was over was, as I mentioned, God, I'm so glad this is over, and um, it's going to be a long six weeks before we get there, but I think now that the, the fervor is dying down, Um, you know, I don't know that uh, people are quite as, uh, what's the word, saturated, fatigued with it all, at least here, stateside.
2: I think the big talking point at the moment coming out is just how much this is going to cost us. I think that's the really big thing now. It's like they've been presented with a bill for last week. Like if you, now you're excited, but by the way, here's the check. They're just dropping the check and uh, at the UK, we're still yet to find uh, where it's going to be shown, but it isn't going to be cheap. I think you're talking about what, $100, $120? Is that right, what I've seen in America?
1: Yeah, hundred dollars for for HD, and they're always like, "Well, it's ninety, and then a hundred if you want HD." Yes, I'm sure people are going to be ordering this in standard <laughs> definition.
2: Yeah, they want the full director's cut. They just want to know how, what's the cheapest option. I'll just take that.
1: Yeah, right. I'm sure. I'm sure that's it. Yeah, no, they're they're going to charge a hundred, which you know was only ever done. That, that was controversial news when Mayweather and Pacquiao did it, and they're going to repeat it, so they're going to get paid.
2: I also, I would like to hear some alternative commentary. I know, obviously, they've got the H- HBO team, which do a brilliant j- uh, job, you know, announcing uh, Maros doing it, and uh, Paulie uh, and Jim as well. They're all great. Um, however, I'd still like to see an alternative commentary for the MMA fans, you know, with, jo- with Joe Rogan and maybe Goldberg reunited for one last time.
1: Yeah, they tried to get Joe Rogan, apparently. Do you know why it said that this last week? But that I didn't know I know that. believe, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, uh, my understanding is that he has a booked uh, comedy show, actually I believe in my city of Washington, D.C., so um, he just can't get out of it. But to your point, you know, uh, they usually have like a one feed and then an international feed. Yeah. I would like to see not merely one feed, then an international feed, but even maybe a third commentary team that the viewers at home could get if they ordered it online. Just some kind of way to really cater the product to your needs because you're pulling from – so much of a cross-section of fans. If the casual people who are just watching this want well, whatever the standard Showtime feed is, that's fine. But if you're an MMA fan, there should be some kind of an MMA-centric broadcast um, that I think would appeal to people. So we'll see what they do in the end. Showtime usually does actually, I think, a pretty good job with these kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, they do. But they've, got, they've got their work cut out for them. Okay, one
2: uh, last question, because I know you've got to uh, go off. If you got to pick a hero and villain over the last seven days in MMA, who would it be or what would it be?
1: All right. Well, villain, much to my surprise, because I know McGregor fans are not going to want to hear this, but um, I've dealt with Steven Espinosa for years. Uh, Could not be a nicer guy. Could not be, frankly, a more stand-up guy. Luke, could I hear this be, I hear yeah. this
2: from everybody. People saying, this saying, re- it's really actually unfair. He's not a villain. He's a good guy. He worked really hard to make this fight happen and to make the World Press Conference happen. He's been great dealing with Dana in the UFC. And that he's a real fight fan. He's a good guy. He's not the weasel.
1: He's not a weasel at all. Now, they, that's not to say they didn't make mistakes, maybe, in L.A., but I talked to a lot of uh, guys who worked in production in Brooklyn, and they were saying they were still trying to figure out what's up and what's down and who was supposed to talk when. Uh, they may have cut McGregor's mic, but that wasn't a Steven Espinosa call. But that's that not him, is it? Running the mix? He's not running
2: measures. a mixing desk, is he?
1: Precisely, and he gets labeled like this. And if you look at his Twitter timeline now and all the responses, he's getting murdered. And I feel really bad for him because I just don't feel like it's a fair criticism. You know, I really don't. So I guess he turned into a villain. If there's a hero out there, uh, you know, it's interesting. Leonard Ellerby appears to be kind of the yeah. hero. Yeah. Even Conor McGregor himself was yes. like, that's a slick M. right there, you know? <laughs> um, Leonard Ellaby is a guy. It's kind of funny because of everyone in Midweather's crew, that's the one MMA fans kind of gravitated to. Yeah. I think in part because he well, always says things like, hey, McGregor's got a great chance. You know, he says things that they want to hear, but at the same time, he's got a real positive attitude and, Boxing fans actually hate Leonard Ellerbee, <laughs> and MMA fans love him. It's another <laughs> weird fault line I never saw coming before this whole thing got started.
2: Yeah, do you know what? It's like there's always been in, in conversations I've got with boxing fans who just cannot get into UFC or, or MMA. There's a strange kind of rub up. And now that the two groups, uh, you know, because I like both. I can appreciate and I absolutely deeply love both forms. They're both fighting to me and I love them both. However, you probably got friends like this, Luke, as well. And suddenly, because the two groups are being thrown together and some of the boxing fans kind of reluctantly, like, we don't want this fight. We don't even care about Mayweather anymore. It's kind of funny, the tension between the two factions now, isn't it?
1: Well, this is the interesting part. If you're just an MMA fan, you know, there's real deep roots, shared roots, familial roots with jiu-jitsu. There's deep shared roots with American wrestling or, you know, global wrestling at this point. Yeah. And there's deep shared roots with kickboxing. Yeah. The boxing world is a rival. They are not the same world. They have not the same core. They have not the same constituency. And you are seeing them butt heads at basically every turn here. Sometimes it's working out. You're making new friends. A lot of times it's reinforcing old hard feelings.
2: It's interesting, and I think it would be even more interesting over the next couple of weeks in the build up to the fight and whatever happens, you know, during the fight and then afterwards as well. But hey, listen, Luke, I've, uh, I've loved chatting to you. Hopefully we can get you back on the show over the next couple of weeks. Keep up the great work. I'm
1: a big fan as well. Happy to come on, and I always enjoy talking to people from across the pond, so don't be a stranger.
2: Now, uh, if people are interested in finding out a bit more about your take on events, uh, where can they find you on on YouTube and Twitter? What's the best place, Luke?
1: Uh, follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash lukethomasnews. And then I'm on YouTube as well. Just search my name and MMA and I I come right up.
2: Okay, we'll share all that socially as well. Luke, thank you very much for chatting to Speak to you again soon. Thank you. All right, that's the show for us this week. Um, Hopefully, Brian will be back from Turkey um, uh, next week. Thank you very much for listening to the show. Uh, As always, I love getting your questions. If you've got a question for next week's show, email me oc at ultimatecouchfans.com. And as always... Your rating and reviewing the show is really, really important to try and uh, launch this thing properly and to keep it going as well. I know it sounds like a pain in the backside. Are me bothered? You might have to click something three times, possibly even two. Is it really? Is this really that important to you? Um, but please do that. Um, uh, it would mean a lot, and uh, we'll give away some prizes next week for your comments as well. Thank you very much for listening. Speak to. Turn Ultimate Couch, fans. Us.